Bombing down Poinsettia, Chapter 29, Savage. I had several childhood heroes growing up. Bionic Man, Billy Jack, Steve McQueen, and yeah, Evil Knievel. The degree of fearlessness all those men had displayed to a terrified young kid on an Oklahoma fucking farm. <laughs> hey, when a boy's afraid all the time, it's real easy for him to look up to fearless men. And that I did. <laughs> Thank God. Because the night Summer and I walked over to Coaching Horses in West Hollywood to meet one of those childhood heroes of mine, well, I was going to be required to show some fearlessness. <laughs> That evening, E.K., well, he didn't seem as uh, he didn't seem as frail and broken as I'd remembered seeing him, you know, in later years. But that night, he wasn't frail at all. No, no, he was wearing a pair of just regular slacks, if I remember right, and a short sleeve tropical button-up shirt. I'll never forget that. He <laughs> short sleeve tropical button-up shirt. His hair is all frosty white and sticking straight back around his hardened face. That's him. I reassured Summer. For just a second or two, I watched as he leaned against the bar, nursing a drink. I'm guessing the old dark-haired barmaid who was uh, setting the tabletop foam back down underneath the bar was expecting us, too, because when we walked in, she looked over, got E.K.'s attention, and then Evil Knievel saw me for the first time in his life. I want to get something straight. Right at the gate. Coaching horses was not a well-lit place. It was a dingy, dreary little shithole of a place at the time. I don't know what it looks like now. But back then, it was kind of rough, okay? But I was still quite able to see who the fuck Evil Knievel was. So don't give me any shit about that. I hate it when you sit there and tell people a valid fucking story and everybody wants to call you a liar. Fuck off. I don't have to do that, dick. Anyway, back to the story. Summer and I stepped into the uh, dark, dreary joint, and I took a step in front of Summer, as I always did, to introduce myself first. Hi, E.K., I said, sticking my hand out. Immediately, put his drink down, reached over, and shook it. Hi, you, you all the... He began with the stupor. Are you all from the paper? Yes, sir. I'm Britt. Immediately stepped aside. This is Michelle. Summer stepped forward, sticking her hand out. Hi. I'm not embellishing. His mouth dropped. (laughs) My goodness, he said with a big grin on his face. You are an attractive young woman. Without breaking eye contact, she combed her auburn locks over her right ear and smiled. Thank you. On that, E.K. took a breath, looked back towards his um, small cocktail glass sitting on the bar. I don't know what was in it, but he was enjoying it. Trying to sell these uh, Chinese men over here some uh, artwork at Butterfields. On that, he pointed at the table across the bar and sat four, well, middle-aged, 30-something, 40-something-year-old Chinese guys in uh, well-dressed Chinese guys in business suits. They had fucking money. There's no doubt about that. 
I could tell Summer was sizing up who the audience was. And <laughs> I was actually excited to pull around. Yeah. Oh, we hadn't messed around in, what, 36 hours? Gee. <laughs> and we were getting paid for it, too. You know? Well, EK waved his arm and invited us to belly up to the bar and have a drink. What are you drinking? It's on me. Yes, sir. Summer and I both said, stepping up to the bar. I looked the older straight-haired barmaid. I'll have a uh, Budweiser, please. I'll have a club soda. Summer said right over the top of me. I was grateful that we didn't have to talk about price. I mean, that had already been agreed to over the phone, the conversation I'd had with EK, so there was nothing really to work out. It was just strange that Summer and I both sat there for an hour having drinks with EK, apparently selling artwork to these Chinese guys who sat at a table nearby, totally eyeballing and mentally doing it with Summer over and over again. You could tell all four of them, boy, they were all like, ugh. You know, you could just tell. They were like, yes, this is the entertainment. But EK held us off. It was strange. We drank with EK for an hour, and nothing happened that night. Okay? He sent us home, and, well, after an hour of sitting in a Hollywood canker sore of a bar fly dive, I guess. Excuse me. The drinks were free. We were happy for that, but it really was a fucking waste of time. And now walking back to Poinsettia, Summer was pissed. Yeah, E.K. had cut into like a fucking movie or something she was watching. And now I was catching hell all the way home. We didn't have fucking camera phones, Kodak, Polaroid. You ain't walking around that. Take pictures of somebody and go show somebody. Only the creeps, okay? Only creeps. We don't just walk around with Polaroids. Or I would have taken a picture of her and walked up. Yeah, fuck. You'll never understand. Point I'm trying to make is you never saw anybody with a tin type shoving it up some chick's dress to get a shot of her cooch. Yeah, I wasn't able to take a photograph and run up there coaching horses. I wouldn't have wasted her time. So you know who was in trouble all the way home? Me. I didn't give a shit one way or another. I was buzzing pretty good off all the free drinks, and I was just real happy that I was able to meet one of my ears. But, um, yeah, summer's pissed. I don't know what EK's beef was with not doing anything that night. He said he was going to call the next night, so I guess he just wanted to size up summer and get a look at her. I don't know. Either way, I drank at least $60 worth of fucking booze, and he wasn't taking it out of the price. The sex took place the following night. The performance sex. Yeah, we we took the stage the following night. Some ratty-ass fucking motel right there off Sunset. A a shithole I I wouldn't even look at for afraid of getting syphilis. Okay? But we went there. As long as the linens is clean, I didn't give a damn. But we went in there. For the record, EK didn't stick around. But the Chinaman did. Oh, I can assure you, the most difficult part for me was not laughing. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) It's not a race thing. 
But Asian guys sure are funny when you hear them getting off. Every time I started laughing, she'd have to grab and kiss me. <laughs> she kept her composure. I don't know how she kept her fucking composure. <laughs> have to understand if you don't speak Chinese yeah you have to listen to a masturbating Chinaman talk dirty it's fucking hilarious okay (laughs) if EK had only known what was going on in that room he might have stuck around I don't know I guess when they dropped their trousers and all sunk to their knees and sat down in chairs to spank their monkeys that was more than he could handle and well my um my hero vacated promised he'd guard the front door. It was all over. Summer and I got up, got dressed. He came, invited us back over to coaching horses, but Summer wanted to get back to the apartment, so he'd give us the cash there, and we left. Seven $100 bills, as promised. I never saw E.K. again. For the record, he called the very next night Inviting me over to have a drink again. I personally, I think he was just wanting to see Summer again, but <laughs> I never saw him again. Believe you me, it was different doing that for money. But it was legal, and for a while, it really kept the money tumbling in. Yeah. Truck drivers, shoe salesmen, you fucking name it. We yeah, we were doing sex for in front of people for money all the time, including women by themselves who would masturbate and watch one time. Never mind, I'm not gonna go into any more of that shit. Anyway. One afternoon I was driving up the one ten LA freeway right through the fucking heart of downtown LA. Traffic was only moderate, but still, as I made my way under one of the numerous overpasses, I noticed flames licking out from beneath the hood of Summer's Mercure. Fuck! I screamed. It really pissed me off because we just spent a bunch of fucking money again and again on these fucking electrical fires and they kept fucking happening. I don't know what the fuck was up with that dumb shit car. When it ran great, it was great. Other than that, it was a Roman candle on four fucking wheels. Yeah. This time, I wasn't in Bartersville, Oklahoma, where I could drive all the way from the west side of Bartersville to the east side on fucking fire. Cops don't even know how to write that ticket, so no, they're not going to pull you over. At least back then, they wouldn't. (laughs) Gee, even if I exit 110 and don't take the Hollywood freeway and hop on Wilshire or Sunset and make that long, arduous drive... Oh, shit. You think I'm going to sneak by with the car on fire in front of L.A.'s fucking finest everywhere? Not a fucking chance. And I had warrants out for my arrest. Big time, man. Yeah, I don't even remember what all the warrants were for. But I know the cops were looking for me. Ah, fuck it. You haven't lived in L.A. if you haven't had a warrant out for your arrest, pussy. car went up in flames and I fucking abandoned it. That's right. Right there in the breakdown lane, heading whatever fucking direction, I guess east, north. Yeah, I left it in the breakdown lane. 
I heard somebody screaming at me as I began walking away up the breakdown lane to get the fuck off that freeway and go home. Guy yelling at me was a truck driver. I watched him as he desperately tried to put the fully engulfed car out with this pissant micro fire extinguisher, man. Fuck the car. Let it burn. He's hollering at me. What, you want me to come back and help you put out the fire? Fuck off. No. And I give him fingers, both hands. Before leaving the car, I'd grabbed everything of significant value. Yeah, so I had an armload of shit, too, by the way. Forgot to tell you that part. I still flipped the fucker off. I did. Summer was reclining on the couch reading when I burst through the front door of our apartment. Fucking car blew up, I announced. What? She shot back. The fucking car blew up, I repeated, dropping the contents of the car next to the coffee table. Where is it? She asked, rising up from the sofa. Out of fucking fire. Downtown L.A., right there fucking downtown on the 110, I groaned. I rubbed my eyes and didn't see her as she chided. You just left it there? Fuck yeah, all summer, I said, pulling my hand back away from my eyes and looking at her. It burst into fucking flames. I could drive it home. Half the fucking police department's looking for me, said walking into the kitchen to get a drink. I saw her in the corner of my eye, placed her face in her hands. It's not my fault, Summer, I said, taking ice out of the freezer and throwing it into a glass along with some lime and just a tad tonic on my gin. Down half the glass. I swear to God. I'll buy another fucking car. I'll buy something. To my surprise, Summer turned the corner, leaning against the wall and part of the counter. It's okay. I'm not upset. I set my drink on the counter and looked over at her. Thank you. It was Summer's idea to pay cash for a little Honda mini scooter. So we did. I look like such a fucking pussy driving that thing around Hollywood. I fucking hated it. I mean, it was cute. And I was glad. I was glad we were able to get Summer what she wanted. She told me she wanted a little motor scooter she could just tool around on Hollywood on. Yeah. Okay. And for a bit, fuck, I had to drive it too. Yeah. Billy Badass. Security. He's going to ride up here on his Devo moped here in a fucking minute and stomp the shit out of you. Oh, I felt like a pussy. But it was brand new. It got like 50 miles of the fucking gallon. (laughs) And we paid cash for it. Yeah, like three grand or something. I can't remember. I know it was summers, but the worst mistake I ever made was teaching her ass how to drive that fucking thing. Yeah. Because I made the mistake of getting in an argument with her one time when we was all the way out by Coanga Boulevard. And I made the mistake of, during the course of the argument, pulling the bike over on that fucking bridge that crosses the 101 freeway. Yeah. The very bridge you see in Lethal Weapon that Murtaugh's having the conversation about rigs, that fucking bridge. 
Matter of fact, you can see my agent's building down at the bottom of the fucking hill. I was there. We had an argument. I pulled over right there. I wanted to have the argument out on the fucking sidewalk so I wouldn't wreck. Well, guess what? She jumped up in my seat, drove off, and fucking left me there. Left me there! I'm fucking mad. I don't remember how long it took me to get home, but I know I had to stop at a couple of bars in the way and have a couple of drinks. Ooh, I was fucking pissed. I think I got Tommy's burger, too. I can't remember. I was mad, hungry, mad, drunk, all that. Okay, it subsided, and I cooled off by the time I got back to fucking poinsettia. When the laughter subsided and I got home, yeah. Oh, what else are you going to do? Beat the shit out of her? Of course not, asshole. <laughs> when I walked in, I was so fucking tired. <laughs> oh, she had already had a shower. was in her bathrobe laying on the couch with her fucking pet rabbit. Yeah, I bought her a pet rabbit for her birthday. She was 23 now. I bought her a pet rabbit for her fucking birthday. And her and the rabbit are on the couch watching TV. Yeah, and I'm exhausted, and all we could do was laugh about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. She made it up to me. There's an elderly fellow who lived a couple of floors above us, and he was selling his motorcycle downstairs in the garage. Well, it was a motorcycle I'd never seen before because he always kept it under a tarp. But for me... He took the tarp off, and I got to see what that fella had been hiding. A Suzuki Savage. One of the earliest models, man. I can handle the sound of that bike. Yeah, especially because there wasn't one Suzuki emblem on the entire bike. The gas tank was huge, cherry red with the odometer in the gas tank. Every single piece of that bike under the tank was chrome. He had aftermarketed the entire bike with its own pipes. And you better believe that dual exhaust bastard with belt drive <laughs> made my punk ass feel like a man again. Yeah. I took her out for a fast drive through the Hollywood Hills. She loved it. We were done. I pulled up in front of our building on Poinsettia before heading off to Payway to pick up some takeout. Summer hopped off the bike to head towards the front of the building, but I grabbed her by the back of her jean jacket and yanked her back towards me, grabbing her by the back of her hair and then pulling her over the top of my gas tank, kissing her deep. I just wanted to. Okay. When I pulled away and pushed her towards the building, her eyes were the size of silver dollars. I'll never forget it. And I drove off on my savage. I would have fucking given anything to have that triumph back just for that night. Bobbing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 29, Savage. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it. This is copywritten text. Don't even think about cherry picking it or I will fuck your ass up. Tune in next week. Bobbing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 30.
You want to be a screenwriter on this thing? You want to be at the front of the train? Fine, contact me. Other than that, fuck off. She stood there bright as the sun on that California coast. He was a Midwestern boy on his own. She looked at him with those soft eyes so innocent and blue. He knew right then he was too far from home. Wondering if he could ever go home. And it was hot. 